Back in uh, 1998, back before the turn of the century, as I like to say, uh, I was serving in an internship at Baptist Hospital in Jacksonville. Uh, There were three Catholic seminarians, two Methodist seminarians, and I was the lone Anglican. And during that, the course of a 10-week, what they call CPE, clinical practical uh, experience, I was able to be with people all over the Baptist Hospital system. I am privileged to say that I was able to walk with and minister to as many people as the Lord allowed me to. And I saw quite a number of deaths during that time, 17 to be exact. Um, And I remember that as I began to minister to couples and families and extended families and husbands and wives and loved ones, I, I found myself being drawn back to Psalm 23. And I would oftentimes recite Psalm 23 to the family. What's interesting to me is that almost without exception, in all 17 cases of praying with someone who had just died, of all ages, all ethnicities, all uh, socioeconomic classes, almost without exception, everyone would join in with me saying the Lord's, the, the shepherd prayer, the Psalm 23 Um, It was uh, oftentimes in the King James Version, which is actually given to us as an option in our prayer book. Um, It is universally loved and cherished by Christians. It's one of those pieces of uh, a treasured part of the Christian tradition. Um, And even people who have given up, long given up on church or Christianity, still look for comfort to Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Why is it that Psalm 23 is so very comforting? Well, I want to suggest that one of the reasons probably is because David, who not only being the king of Israel, being a shepherd himself in his early days, when he began to think about the Lord and began to meditate upon the Lord's goodness, that he began to draw upon that experience he had had as being a shepherd and the fact that God was a good shepherd, that God was a good shepherd. Last week, I talked about Jesus being the rock in Exodus 17 when Moses strikes the rock and the water comes forth. And that's true, and Paul tells us that in Corinthians. But I love the the metaphor of the shepherd because the shepherd metaphor is so inclusive. You see, David understood, and we need to understand, that a shepherd meant everything to his sheep. He's the one who guides the sheep. He's the one who protects the sheep. He's the one who heals the sheep. No veterinarians out in the fields. You have to do the tending and mending of the sheep yourself. And so in providing and guiding and in healing, the shepherd is a complete metaphor. And in that metaphor, David sees the the compassionate, gracious God who is our provider. And if there's ever a Sunday that we need to know that God is our gracious provider, it's this week, right? So I want to look with you at the psalm for a few moments this morning. Psalm 23. David teases out lots and lots of things. You could literally, you could write books about Psalm 23. As a matter of fact, people have written books about Psalm 23. I just want to pick out three points to to suggest uh, that are important for us, particularly 
with what we're facing uh, in this day and in this season. First of all, notice that the, the, the shepherd metaphor is really for only the first four verses of the psalm. The psalm has six verses, but the first four deal directly with the shepherd. And here's what David arrives at. God is the one who supplies all of our needs, both quality and quantity. He says, I will not want. I shall not be in want in the King James Version. And then he says, quality, he will lead me to the green pastures, the really good grass that I might nourish from it, using that metaphor of the the good shepherd. Now, just to say, this does not mean that God meets all of our wants, plural. Uh, It's a different thing when David says, I shall not want. Uh, when, When he says wants, that's the things that we think we need that perhaps we don't need. Rick Gary, wherever you are in the world, we don't really need March Madness. Hashtag best Lent ever, right? Not only do we get to give up coming to church for the most part, but we get to give up all of our sports and our social interactions and restaurants and the list goes on. Hashtag best Lent ever. You heard it here first, folks. Literally, what is said in the Hebrew is I lack nothing. And what David means by that is that there is nothing that we need, that we truly need, that God has not provided. He is our gracious provider. And everything we really need has been given to us. Secondly, David goes on meditating, and I want to draw out this aspect of restores our souls. David says that the Lord restores his soul. This can be a renewal or even a a a redemption of his soul in some way that that God has put him right. It's reminding us of a Sabbath rest, not simply just the cessation of war, but a true Sabbath, a a real peace, the, the shalom of God that God promises us. David says that in the Lord as my provider, he gives me a place to restore my soul. This is picking up on the the phrase in the psalm, the still waters. I'm told that sheep are very skittish and that a sheep will not go to a babbling brook, a loud brook, because the fear is that if they can't hear, that there may be uh, an adversary that may pounce upon them. So the shepherd would take the, the flock to a still water, to where there's, there's not much movement so that they can hear and they're comforted. And, and that same still stream might be a place that the shepherd would bathe and wash and care for the wounds of his sheep. Can I suggest to you that the Lord in this season is calling us to allow him to restore our souls? We need to turn off our cell phones. We need to turn off the news. We need to get away from our computer screens for a while. Not right now, though. Stay on your computer screen now, but later and find that place where the Lord, that quietness that the Lord wants to use to restore our souls. I'm getting lots of communication from all of you and um, we're all overwhelmed with how much rest we're getting and we're all overwhelmed with how much time we're getting in our homes uh, or walking around the neighborhood. I've actually gotten Jody to go on a few walks with me and Champ and it's been wonderful 
And let me tell you, you know, I'm, I'm as guilty as anyone of, of keeping up with the news. As a matter of fact, if you know me, you know, I don't like the technology that much. I don't really like to be on my phone a lot. My staff is always having to, to email me or, or send me uh, articles that I should read because I just don't get on the phone. But, but I find myself in this season being drawn to it because so much of my pastoral work is done there. But, but the Lord is reminding me in Psalm 23 that we all need to allow him to restore our souls. And he wants to do that in this season. That may be a good outcome of this horrible virus that we slow down our pace and we actually take a Sabbath rest. Remember David says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. The shepherd has to make the sheep lie down sometimes. Will we let him or will we just busy ourselves with the news and our phones and not see this as a chance for the Lord to restore our souls? Well, I'm thinking I'm meddling now, so I'm going to move on. The third thing that I see in this passage is that the Lord, the, the gracious provider, is present to us. He is present. He is with us in the face of real danger. There are things to fear. And the, David makes it clear in Psalm 23. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He names it. I will fear no evil. There are things to fear. There are things that are scary that are going on. And, and there's uncertainty about what the next couple of months are going to bring. Those are real dangers. But David is reminding us that the Lord is our present help in time of danger. Though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And none of us can avoid this. This is not something you can hide from. We have to walk through this season but we do not walk alone. The Lord is with us. I remember we were starting a covenant group a few months ago and Justin Smith, uh, Nikki's husband, was, we were in, was in the group. It was a Zoom group. We've been using this technology for a while and, and we were going through the Compline service. And I don't know if you've read the Compline service. It's in your prayer book. But the Compline service has prayers. For instance, it, it has this prayer, now let your servant depart in peace for these eyes of mine have seen the redeemer, your salvation. And I remember Justin saying to us at the end of the, at the call, John was there. He said, he said, man, I feel like this is like uh, uh, about dying. I feel like I'm prepared to die. And I said, yes, that's exactly right. I mean, I love the fact that our liturgy and that the scriptures don't pull punches. They speak truth. You see, in the face of death, we don't have to fear evil. Because Christ is with us. He's our present help and protector. Thou art with me in the King James. I love that. You are with me. God is saying, I am your armed escort as you walk through the dangers. The real dangers. The things that, for good reason, need to be feared. But David is not filled with fear. He does not let fear rule his life because his hope is in his gracious provider, his armed escort walking through. Well, it's at this point that the shepherd metaphor falls away. And although we think of this as a shepherd theme, 
themed psalm, you notice that verse 5, David cannot contain himself and he leaves the metaphor behind and he begins to think of God not just as a shepherd, but as a gracious host at a great banquet. In verse 5, David talks about God preparing a table. Now, this is not about carpentry. This is about what you put on the table, a rich uh, feast of many foods and anointing the head of, of David and giving him that, that, that oil of comfort and healing and refreshing. In the ancient world, baths were far and few between, but, but oils, lotions, you know, like coming out of the sun. You ever come home from the beach and you just feel completely dried out? And, and you put that aloe vera uh, kind of after sun stuff on and your skin just feels better. And, and it's that sort of a feeling that David wants to impress upon us. That, that the Lord is a gracious host. That he, he prepares a banquet feast for us. He, he, he gives us this oil to anoint ourselves, to refresh us and to bring healing to our wounds. And then our cup overflows. It's, it's abundant supply. There's... So much, it's like a Betty Carroll chocolate fountain, right? Where there's, the chocolate never ends. It just keeps going on and on. If you know Betty Carroll and her famous chocolate fountain, it's that same kind of thing. My, my dad's grandmother, Grandma Evie, was, uh, died before I was born. Um, although I think she saw a picture of me, as I understand. But um, my dad used to tell me stories about going to Grandma Evie's house at Christmas. Grandma Evie's birthday was Christmas Day, and so her birthday present to herself was to, to say to the family, you have to come to my house, and I'm going to feed you on that day. Now, Grandma Evie was, was not wealthy. She was, in fact, quite poor. Her uh, husband, her late husband, had been a sharecropper in Georgia. But Grandma Evie would make a huge feast. She would lay out the spread, as we say. And, and, and all of the family, because it was Grandma's birthday, would come to her house and she would feed them and she would fellowship with them and she would give them hugs and she would comfort them and she was she was a woman of God and she would uh, embrace them and at Grandma Evie's no matter what was going on in the world there was comfort and rest and abundance there was never too little food she cooked all day long to prepare a feast. And that's the picture that the Lord is saying, that David is, is communicating to us, that the Lord is our, a gracious host, that he's prepared this, and he wants us to walk in. And notice that in the midst of this banquet and this anointing and this overflowing cup, that the enemies are present, right? You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. The ancient world and the, Hebrew understanding, when you were received into a host home, then they were duty-bound to protect you. It's like Lot protecting the angels when they come to him in Sodom. He will do everything in his power to protect them from being harmed. And the Lord wants to say, I want to be to you a house, a place where you can come and where you can be, you can be feasting and you can be uh, anointed with oil and you can be, have an overflowing cup and know my presence abundantly. Just be like being at grandma's house. Even though the enemy is out there. The enemy we can't see. And we can't control. And we don't know where it is. And who's infected with the virus. But, but the David points this picture of, of this idea of, of the gracious host. Preparing the meal. And, and feeding us and lavish us with love and security. And peace and confidence. Even while the enemy is present. 
I just, when I saw that, I knew that this was the psalm, this was the sermon to preach this morning. Well, how does David finish Psalm 23? David, the musician, David, the poet, David, the shepherd, David, the king of Israel. He ends by what has been called the psalm of confidence with these words. So goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. That word mercy, Alan Ross says, could better be translated loyal love. Or we think of the word steadfast love. God's loyal love. His covenant love. God has staked his reputation on the fact that he will be for us a gracious provider. His reputation is on the line. So goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Now what does that mean? Does that mean that like, you know, if you've ever gone to a store and it's, like you're a day early, they go, oh, we're having this blowout sale, but you're like a day early, you know. And if you just come later, that, you know, is it following me? I don't, want, I don't want the goodness and the mercy of the Lord following me. I want it going before me or I want it right here. Well, it's not at all saying that it's, it's behind us, that we're, it's trying to catch up to us, like it's running after us. It's, it's that God is pursuing us with his goodness and his loyal love. God is pursuing us. He longs to give us that. He longs to fill us with that, even in the midst of all that we're going forward with. And how does David conclude then? What's well, interesting, because oftentimes as Christians, we read this and we assume Psalm 23 is, is, is simply talking about eternity. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen, right? We say that, those words. And, and clearly, Paul says in Romans 8, um, what shall you know, separate us from the love of God? Death or life or powers or principalities. You know, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God is what Paul concludes in Romans 8. And, and that's a powerful truth of Scripture. And yes, we can, we can pray that and we can, we can sing that in the psalm and, and it's true for sure. But we, we obscure what David meant as he wrote it back those hundreds of thousands of years before us. David is, is not simply thinking of eternity. David is committing himself to coming back to the house of the Lord and declaring God's praise to the house of the Lord. You see, it's, it's in fact what David is saying there is, and so I will commit myself, I will come back Again and again, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. He's not going to live in the house of the Lord. He's not living in the temple, but he's repeatedly coming back. Now, I think one of the dangers of all this, as wonderful as all this technology is, is that we might grow comfortable worshiping from afar. As a matter of fact, when we created this technology, one of the, the things we, we weighed was, will this encourage people to not come to church? I also am watching all my friends make these wonderful uh, videos and posting things, and we've all instantly become uh, tele-evangelists, except we're digital evangelists, I guess, now. And, and I pray that, that we don't fall prey to that, because I, I want you to hear what David concludes. Because of God being my gracious host, my gracious provider, my good shepherd, I will commit myself to come back to the house of the Lord and declare that God's goodness 
his loyal love, his reputation is intact because he is our guide, he is our protector, he is our healer. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.